Welcome everybody to the Nerdpool Podcast with the fat fool who loves Deadpool, your host, Jamie. The water's fine. Come on in. What's up everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a J-M-I-E, your 77th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down this road of nerdiness. And I was struggling with this week's episode because I was originally going to do a Toy Story uh, Child's Play review slash, you know, battle to see which toys came out on top. Um, Unfortunately, with work and family and just life going on i have yet to be able to go to the movies to see either one of them guys calm down please no hate mail i know i know it's a shame um and now spider-man far far from home is out and i'm so behind guys that i was just i didn't know what to do and i was gonna i was like oh lord i gotta think of something i gotta have something to do there's a million things i could talk about but i was like i want something just i don't i don't know like like What's grabbing me? What's going to be able to fill this time slot and fill your ear holes with the sultry sounds of my voice and my opinions on stuff that you and me care about, but most people think I'm just babbling and rambling about? Uh, so I decided that I'm just going to talk about a few things. Um, I'm going to talk about and review the video game that I've been playing all, all you know, all weekend, all week. Um, and it's the newest game on the Switch. It was a big hit. It was the original incarnation was the biggest selling game on the Wii U, which was the system before the Nintendo Switch came out that not many people knew about. And it's the only reason I bought the Nintendo Switch or Nintendo Wii U was for Super Mario Maker. And June 28th, or excuse me, June 29th, the sequel to that, Super Mario Maker 2, dropped for the Nintendo Switch. And it has blown up. It has taken over the world. If you're on Twitch right now, there are so many people streaming the game. Um, and it's such a great community to be in on Twitch and to just be involved in these games. The Mario community, the Mario Maker community. You know, there's no shortage of people out there to watch, um, play this game, and are very good at this game. From uh, I'm just going to give you some of the people you can go watch. If you don't know what the game is, the game is basically what it sounds like. It's Super Mario Maker. It's a game where you get to build and create your own Mario levels through different styles, through Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3, uh, Super Mario World, Super Mario Brothers Wii U, and now the new one that's been induced is Super Mario uh, 3D World that was on the 3DS. It's crazy you just create your you get to create your own level you get to upload it people from all over the world get to play your level and you can play theirs and you get world records and there's just so much content to put out there basically it's a never-ending mario game um and if you if you're a little hesitant you know don't know if it's for you first off if you like mario games if you're a fan of mario then this is definitely for you because again like i said it's a never-ending mario game there are just millions of levels, and there's thousands of levels being created daily. They're very difficult levels. There are great levels. There are fun levels. There are garbage-ass levels. Um, and there's lots of fun and unique ways that people take what was the original concepts of Mario and make them in the new. But you can go to Twitch, or you can go to YouTube, and you can watch people like uh, the Dragon Feeny, Grand Pooh Bear, Ryukar, uh, Barbaros, uh, the Beast, Orator, 
Dashi XP. There's so many great Mario people out there. Uh, Jaku's another one. Um, you have Mitch Flower Power, uh, X Water. I, I'm just I can go on and on naming streamers and YouTubers that play this game, and you can just get a good concept. Go to YouTube, search any of them. Go to Twitch, find them, and watch them. Just to get an aspect of what it is, because right now every one of them are constantly playing this game. The game in and of itself is great. It's amazingly done. The artwork for the games, having the different styles and concepts, bring you back to what the game was. And all the games that you love. You know, if you're a fan of Super Mario Brothers, if you're a fan of Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World, whatever your preference is, there's something for you. There's that style that you can play. In this one, the new iteration with Super Mario, uh, Super Mario Maker 2, you can actually pick and go through how you want to play. If you only want to play Super Mario World levels, it'll let you. There's speed runs where you have a time limit, and you have to go through the entire level within a certain time limit, basically never stopping, uh, dodging obstacles. There's new um, new concepts as in achieving a goal, as in collecting 50 coins, killing a certain number of enemies, um, reaching you know with a cape, with a flower power. There's, you know, in... Being the only way to be able to finish the level is to complete that goal at the time. Um, the Kaizo community and Kaizo is, if I remember right, it's Japanese for really hard. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I, that's what I've been led to believe. But basically, it's if you, if you know anything about the Kaizo Mario community, it's basically when you make the hardest levels possible in ROM hacks or Super Mario Maker, and people play these levels and they play, people spend hundreds of hours making this level just to be able to upload it and finish it and then people will play it for hundreds of hours it's insane i know it sounds crazy but some of these levels like uh the pangea panga levels um if you remember the if you played the original one you might have known him as uh you know p break or something like that where he was just he was one of the top just hardcore makers there are and then there's there's those levels like that that'll take you 30 hours to beat. And then there's levels that'll take you 12 seconds to beat. You know, it's all fun and games. It's a great for the for the fans of this. You can play online against each other to basically kind of like a battle royale mode to where there'll be four players playing the same level to see who can reach the goal first. There's co-op mode where you're playing with people from all over the world where you have to help each other to win the goal. Or you can bring in and play it where you're on a network the only issues i've had with this game so far is when you're playing versus mode uh against people it's a thing to where if you have a goal you have to meet if you have to collect 50 coins you have to get a key all it takes is one person to get that goal or get the key for the entire everybody else to be able to do it so it's gotten to the point where people hang out at a goal while somebody else does all the work and then win that to me kind of takes the fun out of it because people are doing it just to level up and not wanting to actually play the level but just to hurry up and win. It takes some of the fun and steam out of it. Another thing is not being able to play your friends in a in a room or whatever. You have to actually have multiple switches and copies of the game in one room to be able to play on that network and run on off of Wi-Fi or whatever, instead of making it to where if me and four of my friends wanted to play each other online and only play each other online, I could create a room and or a queue and we could all go that way. That that's the that's kind of annoying 
And Nintendo kind of falls behind on that. You know, the rest of them, when you're having games where you're playing people online and you can set up rooms where you can play only your friends, it seems like Nintendo can't get their online play like that right. Uh, the versus mode is laggy at times, depending on where it's at, because, you know, you're having strength and issues, internet, different internet speeds, so it can get laggy. But not being able to set up and play your friends, it's like Nintendo is behind on their internet uh, online play when it comes to doing things like that. And hopefully they get better. Uh, they still don't have it where you can talk to each other. You have to download an app on your phone to be able to talk to each other. Instead of just normally having a headset and talking to each other. It's very strange how Nintendo pulls it off. However, the game is incredibly fun. The game, I've just had hours of fun playing it. Um, from endless mode to where it's easy. You have it easy to level normal, expert, super expert. And basically you start off and you just play levels until you lose all your lives you start off with a different number of lives for every you know difficulty you go in and it's it's fun to see because you get a world ranking you get to see where you're at in the world ranking and then getting able to actually see the people that you watch see where they're at you get to follow people with their you know IDs, so you can it's easier to actually follow people and find levels this game is a big improvement over what the original one was. It's got a few draws, it's got a few setbacks, but overall, over and all, you know, the game is very fun, very well put together. Nintendo brought in the people who did the original artwork, they brought in people who did the original music. The music on this game is just gorgeous. It has, you know, all the the music from the older ones. Um we have Nintendo 64, Super Mario, you know, 64 music's in this game and Mario Kart and the stuff from the original Mario Brothers and Super Mario World, and I will just say this, I don't know who composes the music for Mario, but the music is just, it's lit, as the kids would say, the kids still say that, right? I mean, come on guys, I mean, I'm getting a little old here, I'm kind of out of touch with today's young whippersnappers, but the music is just, it's cool, and you'll find times when you'll just stop and you'll just kind of bob your head to it, and just, it's, it's nostalgic, I guess, you're just feeling that that rush of what you felt when you were a kid and enjoying it and liking it. And so if you have a Nintendo Switch, um, which if you have kids, really a Nintendo Switch is probably the best console to have for children as it can take, be took on the go and it's more family oriented. You know, you have a lot of games that are safer, I guess you can say quote unquote for your, your kids to play. And if you have a Nintendo Switch, I fully endorse Super Mario Maker 2. I think it's... It's very intuitive, it's very ingenious, and it's just a fun overall game, especially if you're a Mario fan, from Grandma down to, you know, Little Jimmy or Little Sally. It's fun for the whole family, because me growing up, Mario, Super Mario World is my favorite game of all time. I love that game, I've beaten it a thousand times, I, you know, I can play it constantly, I love it, and it seems like you find new stuff, and this is just can be a continuation of that, even if some of the levels you get are not up to snuff of what Nintendo or what your play are because there's some people out there who just have no sense of making a fun level. However, you know, it's it's fun. It's it's just something for you to get in and it's a never ending game. I mean what more could you want for a video game? They they do have a story mode where you can go in and there's Nintendo made levels and you get to unlock stuff. So it's you get a Mario game on top of another Mario game. But again, it's a game that when you buy it it, it really truly can never end. Um, people are just, like I said, thousands of levels are made today, so it's just something that's fun, and again, highly recommended, and I highly endorse it, 
that's coming from me, that's coming from a guy who plays this constantly and a big Mario nerd, that it's a it's a great continuation of what the Mario franchise is. Now, speaking of franchises, we're next going to be talking about is diving a little bit into a wipe that smark off your face. Um, I don't really know if we're calling this a franchise yet, but this past weekend, again, was the AEW, All Elite Wrestling's second event, Fighter Fest at the Fighter Fest video game uh, fighting convention in Florida. And um, this show wasn't perfect, guys. Let's not be said. The buy in had one good match on it. Well, the SCU uh, best friends and private party match was great. A triple tag team, you know, match. They showed out uh, the private party. I think this was their showcase to kind of break out to the world to let people know who they are. And Mar- Mark Quinn and and them, just, they did a great job. And, and I didn't know much about them. Now I do. And now I'm watching more of their stuff on YouTube. They they did a great, great job of building them up and showing us their characters and what they're capable of. We had the librarian's gimmick as Eva Bates took on Allie, which originally I thought was supposed to be Kylie Ray against uh, Allie, but or against Leva Bates. But I don't, I don't know what happened here. Leva Bates, you might know from NXT as Blue Pants. She's been all over the independent. She does cosplay wrestling. She is the Young Bucks person they got to play the librarian. And then you have Cody Rhodes and Kenny, who got Peter Avalon, who I'm actually a fan of. I like Peter Avalon as a character. I think he's decent, pretty good in the ring. And his character, when he was professional Peter Avalon, he was kind of a Rick Rude-ish character. He just had the body of Rick Rude. But he's fun, and he's their version. I don't know where this gimmick's going. It kind of was going over like a wet fart in church. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it some more time before I just completely zone out on it because it just... it. Mm, it doesn't seem like it's catching on, but maybe I just don't know the full story, and when TV starts, we might get a story here. The story of this event was, the the funny part was, of them kind of spoofing uh, Firefest from last year, the year before, I don't even remember when that debacle happened, of the music festival that was supposed to be on in you know the islands, and it ended up not happening, and people pulled out, and they ran out of money, and people were stuck on an island, and supposed to be getting cheese sandwiches, and, and you know there's a big documentary on Netflix about it. And this was the whole thing of Kenny Omega kind of spoofing it, talking about he's running out of money. Blink One Eighty Two is pulling out. You know, they're they're doing a mock document, a mockumentary of the event, like it's happening, like it's Firefest, and it was fun. Uh, people were bashing it, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But it to me, I enjoyed it, and it, it was just a funny comedic event because this isn't one of their big events. This is more or less a house show to kind of just keep wetting the whistle and you got some people coming in so i don't we're not taking it too far into that uh we had cody rose versus darby allen i might not talk about every match uh but cody rose versus darby allen darby allen is a very unique character he's very unique in his presentation and what he does in the ring cody rose is cody rose cody rose gets better with every match cody rose is one person that if you put him in there with the right person he can have the one of the best matches on the card. I don't think he's the guy that can carry you to a great match just yet. But again, Cody's one who's been in the ring. He's also relatively still kind of new to the. You know, he he doesn't have the 20, 30 years experience. He doesn't have. I don't know if he had 15 years experience. I could be wrong on that. 
But the match with Darby Allen went to a time limit draw, and it was a fantastic match. It was a story of Cody, of Darby Allen being this this unknown kind of unpredictable force and Cody going out there to try to do a style that wasn't his and he wanted a challenge and it's a story of Cody basically beating on Darby and doing everything he can to you know put Darby Allen away and Darby Allen just finding a way to kick out and finding a way to come up on everything and then the time limit draw there's one scary bump in this match very scary uh, Cody's laying on the edge of the ring apron on the outside of the ropes, and Darby Allen gets on the top rope and dives backwards, just dives, dead man style, and back hits the apron as Cody moves. Now, the the edge of the apron and the ring is the hardest part. There's not as much padding. There's you know there's about an inch thick foam padding on a wrestling ring. Um, it's not a lot of padding, so don't get act like like this is padding. But that is like the least padded part. And when he hit, that thud made me uncomfortable. I don't know. I hope he doesn't do that all the time because that's a very dangerous stunt to be pulling constantly because all it takes is one slip up and you could really seriously injure yourself. But this was a coming out event for Darby Allen. This was showcasing him. And I think his stock really rose because he on Twitter people were, you know, that had never seen it before. We're like, who's this Darby Allen kid? And I guarantee on YouTube and online, he had probably gotten a lot of hits of people trying to figure it out. Um, I'd seen a couple matches of Darby Allen's, and he was always impressive, but I was like, I didn't really get his character. His character's still kind of mysterious to me, but the match was phenomenal. It was great. He brought out the best in Cody. Cody brought out the best in him. Then afterwards, it all, the entire match gets overshadowed by a angle that sets up Sean Spears, formerly known as the Perfect Ten Ty Dillinger in the WWE, against Cody. Cody, on being the elite, has said that uh, Sean Spears was going to be a great, you know, basically a great mid-card guy. He could be a coach, but he didn't see him as a main event guy. Now, this is all playing up on Being the Elite. You know, they're just setting up. That's where, because they don't have their TV yet, they're using Being the Elite and Road to blank you know whatever event coming they're doing this to set up their feuds and stuff so you have to really be online to get it to get where the backstories are because they can't use a lot of their stuff from other promotions sean spears comes in with a chair and blasts cody rhodes in the head it's an unprotected chair shot uh i really don't like that style uh chair shots to the head is okay with me before you bash me listen protected like taker using your hand something to block it where it doesn't actually make contact with your head uh even a gimmick chair i no. there's you know i'm, I'm not bashing it i don't they said they gimmicked the chair um but he hit it hit cody and he laid into him and the everybody was saying cody bladed and bladed on the wrong side where he if you don't know what that is it means you basically make yourself bleed cody didn't do that when the chair hit him the Backrest caught his head on the because he got hit on the right left side and his right side was bleeding. Well, the chair actually went over the right side, the back did, and it caught him, and that's what cut him. And you know, they said Tony Khan said he gimmicked the chair, uh, the Young Bucks said they gimmicked, and it was just an accident. I fully believe it was an accident, and I fully intend for them not to really do those shots simply because with all the stuff going on with CTE, people are very sensitive nowadays. And that was a lot of the talk was, you know, this chair shot shouldn't have happened. It was 
bad publicity and it's over. Cody wanted to do it. Um, I think it went a little... I think it didn't go off the way they were hoping, and that just caused it. Luckily, Cody doesn't have, didn't get a concussion. He did get ten staples, but there was no concussion there, so that's great. And I really don't expect them moving forward to do those same kind of chair shots. I think that was just a shock value, and it was just kind of an accidental thing. Uh, we had the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid taking on the Elite Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega. The Young Bucks supposedly had lost their gear. That was another story going on, and Kenny had got him gear. The Young Bucks come out. They're dressed as Ryu and Ken from the Street Fighter series, which, you know, they're at a fighter. They're at a video game fighting video game convention, so that's cool. Any of the stuff that they're also video games, and Omega's a uh, video game nerd. So they're waiting. We're waiting for Kenny Omega to come out, and this plant gets on the stage spoofing what happened with Batista where a fan had run in and did Batista's little entrance basically before Batista did it before security rushed him out a guy dressed what Kenny was dressed as runs up and starts acting you know like he's doing it the lights go out we see a big Japanese symbol come on and Kenny comes out dressed as Akuma from uh, Street Fighter red hair done up everything they get in the ring. Kenny asks the ring announcer to say round one fight, which got a huge pop. The match is what you would expect from these guys. It's very high-flying, very fast-paced. The it, it was a little gimmicky at times, you know, with this. Some of the Young Bucks matches can get kind of repetitive. But all in all, it's fun, it's high-flying, and it keeps people involved. Um, some people, again, we're, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. Some people aren't into this style because they say it's, it takes away from storytelling. The Young Bucks, to me, while they do this stuff in the Pentagon and even Kenny, they do the whole high-flying and high spots. They still are telling a story. No matter how subtle that story is, they tell a great story while doing it, and it's very hard to do in that fast-paced work environment. Um, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks get the win, uh, of course. For this one, they get the win in a phenomenal match, great match. And, you know, we even get a Hadouken spot to where the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid super kick all three members of the Elite. And they run off the ropes. They're coming in to do a drop kick. And all three members of the Elite do the Hadouken thing and they all fall. Now, granted, it's a comedy spot. Um, and, you know, that it might not always work. But in that point, it got a huge, huge pop. And it was just fun and it worked out. Then in the main event, a non-sanctioned match, which still had ring introductions and a referee, we had the very first match in AEW for John Moxley, um, who was formerly known as Dean Ambrose in the WWE, against the bad boy Joey Janela. Both of these guys made their come up doing deathmatch style wrestling and hardcore wrestling at times. You know, CZW, both are CZW alumni. Joey Janela, you might know as the guy who took a bump off the roof of a building through a pickup truck filled with glass and tables and light tubes. You've probably seen it and didn't know it was him. This is him. Um, John Moxley, if you look, was the guy that took a Sawzall to the forehead at a CZW tournament of death event years ago. 
these guys know deathmatch wrestling, and it's not my cup of tea, okay? I was scared that they were going to go with light tubes and panes of glass, like they were going to go overboard. They didn't. They they got a little nuts. We got more hardcore than what we see normally in a WWE event or even normal ones. They're using, um, there's multiple table spots. There's barbed wire, uh, plywood, you know, wrapped in plywood. There's chairs wrapped in barbed wire, thumbtacks. Uh, I will say this, Joey Janela, I think his stock rose. I think a lot of people got Joey Janela because the story was him just, again, him taking a beating and him keeping up with John, John Moxley the entire time. And it was John Moxley showcasing that he's no longer Dean Ambrose. Like, this put to bed the Dean Ambrose character because he was a complete and utter badass gangster in this. Um, and also, I want to give him credit. As a man who has the money he's got, as a man who's got the big of a name he's got, he doesn't have to take chances in matches. You know, he's not going to have to do high spots or stupid spots if he doesn't want to. And he's out there and he's taking uh, bumps where he's laying on a table and Joey Janela's in the ring on top of a ladder doing, you know, elbow drops on him on tables. He's taking barbed wire bumps. He's taking thumbtack bumps. John Moxley doesn't have to take these bumps. And he's doing it because he loves it. You can genuinely tell that he loves doing this type of wrestling. He loves being his own man. He loves doing something different. And it was it was fun to watch him come to life and see that passion again. Because if you watched him in WWE's Dean Ambrose, he doesn't look like he had that passion for a while. And he looks so passionate now. And there's one spot in this match that made me cringe more than anything. And I don't know why, because it was not the most vicious spot. But when he dumps, when John Moxley has dumped thumbtacks out in the ring... He picks up Joey Janela, he takes his boots and his socks off, and he basically gives him a atomic drop onto the thumbtacks, but his feet land. And when Joey Janela comes up and you see the tacks sticking out of his feet, it made me cringe. And again, it wasn't the worst bump, but that pain that you know, we've all stepped on something sharp. We all know that pain, and it just hit me, and I was like, oh my god. Like, it just hit, and it, it was just a, a weird, weird little statement, and he's, both of them are cut up, both of them are bleeding, the match was a great hardcore match, they didn't go overboard, they took it where it needed to go for the non-sanctioned and what I expected from both of these guys, um, John Moxley gets the win with the Death Rider which is his double arm DDT, formerly known as the Dirty Deeds. He wins as we're, you know, he's celebrating and going ring. Kenny Omega comes out and attacks him, which is retaliation from him attacking Kenny Omega at double or nothing and adds a little bit more to their match coming up August 31st at All Out in the Sears Center in Chicago. But Kenny Omega beats the crap out of him, and the story here is amazing as well. As Kenny and him are fighting, they're fighting up the entryway. Kenny hits him with guitars. He's hitting him with drumsticks. He's hitting him with, you know, garbage cans, all of this. And then we close on John Moxley smiling. He's just got this smile on his face, and it's like this is what he wanted from Kenny Omega. This is what he wanted from an opponent. And it's just great storytelling. Even if people are complaining that they're getting a little too much run in after big events, which can take away from the event. The Sean Spears thing and Cody took away from the Darby Allen match. Uh, you can say that the Kenny Omega beating took away from the Moxley 
Janela match, I didn't. I think the match stood out on its own based because of how they took it. And also, I think that you needed that for the story, so that I'm fine with. All in all, Fighter Fest wasn't perfect. Um, you know, the buy-in show wasn't great. There was a hardcore match between uh, Jabaley, something, the CEO of CEO, the guy who put on the event, and Michael Nakazawa. And it was just a comedy, hardcore match. Jabaley's not a wrestler. And I really did. I, the match wasn't terrible. It was better than I thought it was going to be. But if you had just tuned into, you know, all, all Elite Wrestling, if you've never seen it before, that it could be something that turns you off. It could because I don't know. It wasn't. It, it wasn't great. But it, it stood up past the expectations. Although I really hope they don't go down that route again. Um, the Alley Leva Bates match was good for you know what it was. Leva Bates, the good worker. Alley's better but she's still not where i'd like her to be still a fun and then the matches on the main card between the ones i've talked about we had chima and uh or shima and christopher daniels and christopher daniels and that was that was a great match and shima wins ends up a it makes him look better going into fight for the fallen when he takes on kenny omega um great match against two veterans very skilled workers and friends they put on a hell of a match we had a three women's uh, triangle match again with um, I can't pronounce his name. Riho is one of them. I can't pronounce the other one's name. Shika Suzuki or something. A Japanese woman, please. I'm sorry. I just I can't pronounce her name. And then Nyla Rose again. Nyla Rose is she has been impressing me with her her ability. She I've watched matches of hers online now. Like I be I'm becoming a fan of hers. And there's people complaining because she's a transgender there you know she's a man who's transitioned into being a woman but nobody's having an issue with it none of the women are having issues with it. if the women have an issue then it'd be one thing they seem like everything's going okay and nyla rose is a very interesting character to me a native american we don't see many real true native american professional wrestlers anymore let alone female ones and she's doing well and i'm actually becoming a, a fan of nyla rose and and her performances uh the show again overall was great it had some tweaks and needs some needs some fine tuning but again second outing and this wasn't a biggest production as double or nothing or even all out's going to be we have the next event which is july 12th um in jacksonville at fight for the fallen which is a charity event with all the proceeds going to help the families of gun violence that happened at the e uh e3 event or the ea games event a few years ago in Jacksonville, it's it's a great cause, and I'm looking forward to that that card as well. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about, transitioning to what I was saying, is kind of a rage pool. So we're getting everything. We're getting a review here. We're getting wipe that smark off your face, and we're getting a small, small return of rage pool. Um, and the rage pool this week is for two different things. One of them is the fact that the internet is pissing me off. Wrestling fans, internet wrestling fans are pissing me off when I'm watching this. Uh, when AEW's happening, a every AEW fanboy is gloating about how this is the perfect show and the is going to be out of business in six months, a year, and they have no shot in hell, uh, and they're shitting on everything WWE does. 
flip side, WWE fans are saying WWE is great, it's perfect, there's nothing going on, and there's shit on everything AEW does. They they say that it's not going to, you know, that that, it, that TNT needs to cancel them before they even start, and that the wrestling's garbage, and it's this and it's that, and it comes to the fact of everybody is fighting with each other, and everybody's arguing, and calling each other names, and saying some terrible things. And I'm sitting back, and me and a select few of people are sitting back going, why can't we all just get along and enjoy professional wrestling? I mean, you have AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor, you have New Japan, you have Impact, you have MLW, you know, there's PWG, there's uh, Hog, House of Hardcore. There's so many great wrestling companies out there. And it seems like it's getting now to where it's like you got to pick one. You can't be a fan of all of them. you got to pick where you're going to stand and ride. The fuck I do. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch all this wrestling and I'm going to enjoy what I enjoy and I'm going to like what I like. And if I like all of it, I like all of it. I don't understand why I can't like something WWE does and dislike something AEW does and then like something AEW does, dislike something WWE does or say both of them were bad this time. I liked MLW better. You can't do that. People are pissing on each other and they're shitting on each other and they're calling each other terrible stuff because of it and as guys this is a predetermined sport i mean we all know this really doesn't have consequences wwe is not going anywhere AEW is not going to put wwe out of business they are not they're just not wwe's then now and forever is real it's always going to be here and it's great for it because there's competition competition breeds better wrestling we saw it in the monday night wars competition breeds better wrestling it seems to me like we're kind of returning to a territory era in professional wrestling and that's a great thing where people have multiple places to work they can share talent we can move you know when like my i'm been here for a year and a half and i'm starting to lose steam well i can leave mlw and i can go over to aew i can leave aew i can go to impact i can go to the national or nwa i can go to roh there's different places to go and you can move around make money and why can't we just enjoy this as wrestling fans? We're all supposed to be wrestling fans. Let us just sit back and fucking enjoy wrestling. Why do we have to argue and say that one's better than the other? You can have that opinion, but if somebody has a different opinion, don't call them out. Don't cuss them at them. Don't say, call them names. Don't threaten them because they like something better. That's ridiculous. Guys, we're all professional wrestling fans. Let's just enjoy professional wrestling. Okay, and speaking of the person, the second part on this Rage Pool, this mini Rage Pool episode, is Jim fucking Cornette. Look, Jim Cornette's a legend in this business, and I agree with some things Jim Cornette says, but Jim Cornette shits on AEW so much over the stupidest stuff. He doesn't like the Young Bucks, he doesn't like Kenny Omega, he doesn't like a high spots type wrestling, he's stuck in liking the 70s and 80s and before that type of wrestling. That's fine if that's what you like, but don't shit on people that like the high spots type wrestling. Deathmatch wrestling, I agree with you completely. If you like deathmatch wrestling, that's fine, that's your business. I don't want that at my event. I don't like deathmatch wrestling. I think light tubes and paint the glass and weed whackers and drills, that shit's not wrestling, that's over the top, that's crazy, and you're going to get somebody killed eventually. But I like watching I like watching different types of wrestling and watching high spots. I like watching great storytelling. Matt wrestling's fun. But the fact that you're gonna that Jim Cornette shits on everything AEW does 
because he doesn't like the Young Buck and Kenny Omega, and he bashes them at every turn for any little mistake. He doesn't give them credit for when they do something right. He bashes them, though, when they do something wrong or something he doesn't like. He just takes them to the town. And it has become a an issue with me with looking at it. And again, it's one of the things where if, if I don't like it, I turn this podcast off. I don't have to listen to his podcast. I don't have to watch his tweets. I just don't get how you can be at MLW, see this stuff, and it doesn't bother you, but another company does it, and it's it's shit to you. And maybe it's because MLW's paying you. I don't know. Cornette's stuck in what he likes, and he's another one that if you don't like what I like, well, fuck you, you're not good enough. I like professional wrestling. I like what I like, and I'm going to like what I like. Okay? And I'm not meaning to bash Jim Cornette. I'm not trying to fucking get in a Twitter war with Jim Cornette. I don't at Jim Cornette on Twitter. I don't add him on Facebook. I don't, you know, I, I listen to his podcast once in a while. If I don't like what he's saying, I turn it off. I'm not that type of person that's going to just, you know, go out and try to just fucking take Jim Cornette down, as people say. I just don't get how you can, you know, bash on other wrestling fans for liking what they like just because they don't like something. You go, you're calling them stupid, you're calling them idiots, and you're wishing people to be out of jobs. You're, you're saying you hope AEW, you want AEW to fail. I don't get it. Uh, you say to yourself that, you know, the more places there are to work for the boys, the better it is, but yet you're hoping for a company to fail. I don't get it. I don't understand why. And this is probably the only part I'm going to say about it, unless Jim Quinn just says something fucking over the crop stupid again. Uh, the Sammy Callahan situation, I won't even talk because I know he doesn't like Sammy Callahan. I prefer personally like Sammy Callahan. I think Sammy Callahan's an old school type wrestler and heel who's doing what he has to to get over and get heat. Uh, and I don't understand how Jim Cornette doesn't like that, considering that's what Jim Cornette's style of wrestling is. He loves that type of heel. Sammy Callahan spit on Cornette, which I don't condone that. You know, um, I don't know if it was a work. I don't know if it's a shoot. I don't know what all this is. We'll find out eventually. But, you know, Sammy Callahan's got multiple opportunities out there. He's not going to be hurting for money. He's always going to have a job somewhere because he's a good worker and he's a He's a great heel. Um, I know him and Cornette are button heads, but, you know, whatever. A lot of people butt heads with Cornette. But that's all, pretty much all I'm going to say about Jim Cornette right now. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I know it's kind of all over the place. You know, we went from a fun family game of me gloating and loving it to me talking about a professional wrestling event that I enjoyed to me just going off and cussing about people that make me upset. You know, this place is kind of just ran the gambit of emotions on this episode. But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you liked it. Um, thank you all. Go out, and if you like this, please just give it a like. Please give it a share. Subscribe to it on your favorite podcast network. And, you know, I, I try to bring you guys new content. I'm going to try to keep my schedule going. Uh, work has been hectic, like I said, life and everything. So I, I apologize for not being on the schedule. I normally am. But... Thank you guys for, again, liking, listening, sharing, and subscribing. Follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. Follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. Um, follow me on Twitch at NerdPoolGaming. You guys are awesome. So for all the chimichangas and tacos out there, that's NerdPool. So until next time, see ya. Oh, yeah, what is that?